Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 324. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to episode 12. Since I died of COVID, I'm still alive. Gotten over my cold, which was just a cold here around Christmas time, and I am ready to talk Atari and stories. I hope you're ready to listen to a thing about Atari and stories, the two of which have very little to do with each other. That's right, we wear two hats here at Atari Bytes. It's hard to fit them both on our heads, but, you know, we do what we can do. First half of the show, an Atari game. This week's game is going to be Gauntlet for the 2600. Talk a little bit about that. Take a little break. Second half of the show, short story, which kind of, sort of, maybe has something to do with the game, although not really. Something about the game inspires me to write a story. Could just be the literally the title of the game. So if you like Atari games, this is the place to be. If you like short stories but don't care about Atari games necessarily, or if you do, this is also the place to be. Really what I'm saying is this is the place to be. And I'm happy that you're here. Hope everything's cool with you. Things are good here. Like I said, I got over my cold. I'm happy about that. It's a little rainy today as I'm recording, but that's okay. It's not actually snowing or icing because the uh, temperature is a little bit uh, too warm for that, so that's a good thing. This has been the weather report from Atari Bytes. I heard from Sean, he who provides the uh, uh, storytime theme for the podcast, picked up on something I said in the last episode. I was talking about Zellers, a purveyor of fine discount products back in the day in Canada, and also, weirdly, a couple of Atari games. I talked a little bit about the history of Zellers, that led to talking briefly about the history of the department store chain Kresge's, which led to talking about Kmart. And here's what Sean had to say. He wrote over there on the Patreon, You mentioned not recalling if there was a Kresge near you. Actually, there probably was, but it was called Kmart. Guess what the K stands for? He's correct. I, I had commented that I'm familiar with Kresge's, but I don't know if there was one near where I grew up. If you get on the internet a little bit, you've heard of the internet, right? Um, you can find that Kresge's, I don't have the, any of the articles in front of me, I'm looking right now, Kresge's begat Kmart, basically, and the K in Kmart stands for Kresge's. According to transformco.com, I'm not going to vouch for the reliability of this site, I'm just saying this is the first thing that comes up uh, when I do a search. A hundred years ago, Sebastian Spearing Kresge opened a modest five-and-dime store in downtown Detroit, so the first store opened in 1899, sold everything for 5 and 10 cents. He expanded to 85 stores in 1912 with an annual sales uh, with annual sales of more than 10 million dollars, which is not chump change even today. So then wartime starts, you know, you got World War 1, World War 2, the depression happened in there. People were looking for bargains basically and jobs. By the 1920s, the SS Kresge company was opening locations that sold items for a dollar or less a precursor to the current discount stores. Time goes on. By the 1950s, it was evident that the company needed to change to continue to be a leader in the growing competitive retail environment. In walks Henry B. Cunningham, who became president of the company in 1959 and opened the first Kmart discount department store in 1962 in Garden City, Michigan. 17 more Kmart stores opened that year, leading to corporate sales of more than $483 million. They had 162 stores by 1966, in 1976, the SS Kresge uh, company made history by opening 271 Kmart stores in one year. 
time went on, of course, and they expanded and they expanded, and then time stopped being good to Kmart. By 2003, Kmart and 37 of its U.S. subsidiaries and affiliates emerged from the Chapter 11 reorganization process. 15 months after they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, and they hung around for a while. In 2004, there was a merger between Sears and Kmart. And of course, most of us know that it's hard to find a Kmart or a Sears store anymore. I guess they technically, both the stores technically still exist, but Fortune Magazine in a March 2022 article says as of April, there were just three Kmarts left in the United States. I'm not sure how many Sears stores there are. CNN ran a piece in November 2022 noting that the Sears store in Jersey City, New Jersey was one of only 15 full-line Sears stores still open. I think you can occasionally find a, a Sears, like a Sears appliance store kind of thing, but not so much the department stores. Apparently there's only 15 of those. According to the South Bend Tribune, the last SS Kresge store closed in 1994. The company renamed Kmart Corporation in 77, evolved into Sears Holding Corporation. It's a little bit sad. Not surprising, of course. Everybody buys their stuff online now. Who goes to a department store anymore? Partly because you can't find them probably because people stopped going and they disappeared. You know, it becomes a spiral, right? People stop going, so they stop opening stores. And then people are looking around for a store and they can't find one. All of which is to say, as Ferg has noted many times, I miss KB stores, which has nothing to do with department stores. But, you know, that's where you get your Atari games. That's why you can't find Atari games now, guys, except on eBay. Because because of Kresge, really. It's all Sebastian Kresge's fault. So, Kresge family, if you're out there listening, thanks a lot. All right, moving on. Speaking of things that I bought not in a department store, ended up being a nice segue. Good for me. Uh, If you follow me on social media, and thank you if you do, I'm over there still on Twitter on the Atari Bytes uh, page over there at Atari Bytes. I'm on Facebook as Atari Bytes page over there. I am also on Tumblr, Mastodon, and Hive now. On those three places, I am just at Carnival of Glee which I also am on Twitter, but on Mastodon Hive, Tumblr, I don't have a separate Atari Bytes account. I just have one account, at Carnival of Glee, where I post things about this podcast, about its podcast, Charlie Brown, and then other whatever stuff I just want to post. And, well, Atari Bytes has a page on Instagram as well. So, anyway, if you follow me on one of those places, you know that I recently cracked, arguably I cracked a long time ago, but I recently uh, gave in and bought the Atari 50th anniversary thing for the Nintendo Switch. I wasn't gonna, the idea of playing Atari games on new equipment, specifically the Switch, Henry got a Switch for Christmas, didn't appeal to me, never has. Uh, I don't really like playing Atari games in emulation, only because, in my head, you play Atari games on an old TV with a console, I will, you know, download the ROMs or whatever, if I don't have a cartridge, I'll do that, but I want to play it you know, like on Harmony Cart, put it in the console, turn on the old TV, use a joystick, all of that stuff. I like my joystick, man. That's what I'm saying. But I really wanted to check out this Atari 50 thing. So Henry got a Switch. I found a place that was selling the 50th anniversary thing. They actually had it for sale. So I thought, fine, I'll get it. And it's it's really, really nice. It really is. If you haven't gotten it, uh, and you have something that you can play it on, do it. It's really nice. The games look really good. The updated versions of, like, uh, Yars Revenge and Missile Command 
look really nice. The history stuff is cool. There's some nice timelines of notable dates in Atari history. Uh, it's just really, really nice. I'm happy that I bought it, despite everything I said. So, go check it out. I've been enjoying it. Atari 50th anniversary people, if you want to send me a kickback for saying how much I love your game, or, you know, love your uh, product, uh, I'm not going to say no. AtariBytes2016 at gmail.com. I'll be waiting by my PayPal account. All right, uh, that's about it for news and feedback. What do you say we get on to this week's game? Okay, Bill, let's do that. This week's game is Gauntlet from Answer Software 1983 for the 2600. There have been many games called Gauntlet, but none of them are this one. How do you know? Because this is the only game where the central point of the game is not to spill your glass of water. Honest to God, that's the point of the game. We'll get there in a second. I mean, anybody could make a game where you have to slay the dragon, or find the treasure, or save the planet. No? Answer Software said, what goal will really motivate kids? I know. Let's help old men who are thirsty, but not spill glasses of water. That will get the kids excited. The first page of the manual has a dude wearing a uh, an adventure, sort of a pseudo Indiana Jones hat with an arrow through it, running. There's a hatchet stuck in the ground in front of him. He uh, has forgotten to button his shirt, and uh, he's hauling ass through this, uh, through the, I guess it'd be the jungle, but it looks more like he's in a field somewhere. Gauntlet is game for one player. The second in Answer Software series of exciting video game cartridges designed specifically for user programmability. Sir Robert Wintonbottom, not Winterbottom, Wintonbobbin, Winton Bob the... I'm not drunk, I promise. Winton Bottom, one of the most fearless of men, sorry, one of the most fearless of men, needs your keen skill and daring to help him run the gauntlet and prove he is truly worthy to enter the elite council of warriors. A game that will continue to excite and challenge you with a different gauntlet every time you play. Copyright 1983, Answer Software Corporation, all rights reserved. You are the famous explorer, Sir Robert... Robert Winton Bottom, you have discovered an ancient civilization deep in the forest of a mysterious island. Since you are a likable chap, they have decided to indict you, to induct you, God, I can't read today, in, to induct you into the Council of Warriors. But first, you must, there's some poorly placed M dashes here, anyway, uh, into the Council of Warriors, but first, you must run the gauntlet to prove you are worthy of the honor. You are given three glasses of water. Not canteens, not water bag type things, you know, the kind of thing you might use in the jungle. No, you get three glasses. I'm picturing like, uh, well, it's 1983, so maybe those little uh, Mickey Mouse glasses or like the, the Muppet glasses you would get at McDonald's. That's what I'm picturing in my head. Filled with water. Your task is to use the water to extinguish as many of the ceremonial fires burning at various places within the gauntlet as you can before the water supply runs out. I will note here that when you're running the gauntlet, you jump over many, many, many ponds and streams. There's lots of water around. I don't know why you need to carry three glasses, but anyway. To successfully run the gauntlet, you must dodge, jump, and duck your way through the various obstacles and projectiles while remaining within the confines of the gauntlet. Any contact with an obstacle, projectile, or the gauntlet will trip you up and cause you to spill water. You may stop and rest momentarily, but be careful. Running the gauntlet is thirsty work, and you may be tempted to take a drink which you can't actually do, by the way. Using the joystick for this one. 
You're supposed to set both difficulty switches to the B position. I did not pay attention if I actually did that or not. The game select switch is irrelevant. The gauntlet automatically becomes more difficult as you progress. The color black and white switch is not used. Hold the joystick with the red button in the upper left position. I still, I've been saying this for years. I swear, someday I'm going to get a t-shirt that says, hold your joystick with the red button in the upper left position, because it's just good life advice. If there's no game in progress, press the red button on the joystick to start the game. If there is a game in progress and you wish to start over, press the game reset. Left difficulty switch, left difficulty, God. Left switch controls the joystick response. A position is less responsive, more challenging. B position is more responsive, less challenging. Again, I paid no attention to any of that. Right switch controls jumping and ducking. A position, jumping and ducking is more difficult. B position, jumping and ducking is easier. I probably should have paid attention to this because when I was playing, I found ducking to be really difficult, relatively. Each time you collide with an obstacle, projectile, or the sides of the gauntlet, you will be tripped up and spill some water. The game is over when you run out of water. So yeah, you don't run out of lives, you run out of water. Points are awarded for successfully jumping over obstacles or ducking under projectiles, giving drinks to old men. Oh man, I love that movie. No drinks for old men. Good stuff. You may encounter along the way and extinguishing the ceremonial fires. Each time you extinguish one of the fires, your glass will be refilled and the gauntlet will become more difficult. 50 points for jumping over rocks and logs. 100 points for ducking under arrows, stones, and tomahawks. 250 for quenching any old man's thirst. 500 points for ducking under the secret talisman and 500 for extinguishing fires. You can't jump over arrows, stones, and tomahawks or the secret ceremonial talisman. You cannot duck under logs or rocks. You cannot jump over or duck under the old men or the trees. They have a little diagram here showing you uh, all the different things and what they look like. Strategy. Jumping and ducking is accomplished by using the joystick and fire button in combination to duck Pull back on the joystick first and then press the fire button. You will jump anytime the fire button is pressed and the joystick is not pulled back. Once you have committed to a jump or duck, you have no control over your direction until your feet are back on the ground. After you collide with something, start moving as quickly as possible or, you're, or you will collide with the same object again. Try to stay as close to the center of the gauntlet as possible. Ducky makes you smaller and you can use it to squeeze through some tough spots. There are up to three old men between fires. Don't forget to give them a drink to rack up those extra points. Have fun! Three exclamation points. Answer Software Corporation, which was located, if you're wondering, in Cupertino, California, provided a limited warranty, and the manual was printed in the USA. And that is how you play Gauntlet, 1983, from Answer Software. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast. All about life lessons, growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers. Or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around. And I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. Honest Gamers says that 
Answer Software offered Atari 2600 titles exclusively via mail order, and one of them, of course, was Gauntlet. No monsters, no nests, no mazes, no keys, no pulling your hair out, wondering what kind of sadist would play the game all the way through. This Gauntlet comes before the Gauntlet that apparently everybody knows, two years before, in fact. It stars an athletic fool out to prove his manliness by charging recklessly through a straight gauntlet full of traps and obstacles. There are no labyrinths, it's a vertical scrolling specimen featuring a procedurally gen generated layout. The game often throws cheap setups at you. You can't very well hop over as many logs as possible when they're positioned next to trees. The worst is when you glimpse a field of rocks and think to yourself, now there's a thing of beauty. Of course, the, inst of course, the instant you leap over one row of them, you land on the adjacent row and watch your health bar diminish. It doesn't help that stiff, stiff control response plagues the experience. It requires constant side-to-side -side motion, though your character doesn't pull it off with due ease. There's no incentive to running at breakneck speed. You can plod along and actually survive more effectively, but what's the fun in that? I will admit the gauntlet was somewhat enjoyable for a few minutes. I tried like mad to see if I could break my old score, but got tired of the constant death due to wonky jumping physics and stiff controls. It's far from the worst game Atari 2600 has to offer, but it's a collection of minor flaws uh, that render it a poor way to spend five minutes. It's not hard to see why this title remained in obscurity, and no, I don't entirely blame the arcade game's title appropriation for that. Two out of five stars. The game that people think of is a 1985 Atari arcade game. That was a fantasy-themed hack-and-slash game developed and released by Atari Games. The first multiplayer dungeon crawl. The core design of Gauntlet comes from the 1983 Atari 8-bit dungeon crawl game Dandy, resulting in a threat of legal action. Also bears striking similarities to the action-adventure maze game Time Bandit, also from 1983. Programmed by Bob Flanagan, art by Sean Comstock, Susan McBride, Alan Murphy, and Will Noble. Released in 85, initially available only as a dedicated four-player cabinet, and later as a two-player cabinet in 86 aimed at operators who cannot afford it to not have sufficient space for the four-player version. It is set within a series of top-down, third-person, orthographic mazes where the object is to find and touch the designated exit in every level. There are items that will increase players' health, unlock doors, gain more points, and give magical potions that can destroy all the enemies on screen. There are warriors, wizards, Valkyrie, Valkyries, elves, etc. Each player has their own unique strengths and weaknesses. It's a fantasy. It's Dungeons & Dragons. In a game, a video game, basically. That's what it sounds like to me. I don't remember ever playing this. And it's clearly very different than the Gauntlet where you have to hold a glass of water. If anyone is familiar with the Gauntlet arcade game, what the heck? Let me know what you think of it. Other games from Answer Software include Confrontation, Malagai, and the personal game programmer PGP-1. If there are any of those you would like to hear about on the show, let me know. After the break, we run the... well, you know. Jungle Hunt. No Pitfall. No River Raid. I fooled you. It's Gauntlet. But I do think of all those games when I look at this. Uh, maybe after watching this video you will as well. But probably not. It's got a beat. You can dance to it, I guess. There's our little guy. Pitfall Harry. No, he's like... I ran into something, I spilled some of my water. Basically, you're running across this orange landscape. 
trying not to run into things because if you do, you spill some of your glass of water, of which you get three. Um, every once in a while, there'll be a guy just standing there, and you stop and give him a drink. There, I give that guy a drink. I'm such a nice person. There's a hatchet flying across the screen. Lots of arrows. If you get hit, you don't lose a life. Weirdly, but you do spill some of your water, which is even worse, evidently. That's me ducking. The ducking mechanic doesn't work so great. Jumping's okay. Ducking, not so much. Supposedly you get a different route randomly selected every time you play. There's another old guy. Oops, I missed him. I ran into something. Except that the ground is orange for some reason. I do like the look of this game. Everything looks like what it's supposed to be. Little gray blobs I think are rocks. We got some logs, got some trees. There you go, old man. Print up. glass of water. I don't know how I'm carrying three glasses of water. Yeah, I extinguished the torch. That's good, apparently. Uh, mostly because you get a huge bonus. Like, 500 bucks. Points. Apparently the point of this uh, ritual that you're running through is to extinguish those torches. So that was a good thing that they did. Yay me. left. Might be it. Nope. A little bit left. Swell of the backwash is still in there. There you go, old man. You get the last of my water. I hope you're happy. And I hope all you are happy out there, too. Back to you in the studio. Hey, Atari fans. This is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Card by Card podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Second Duck on the Right and Other Very Short Stories is my new short story collection. Duck con artists, zombies, things on fire, supervillain angst, and a future without poop are just a few of the topics in these stories. Also the occasional really bad poem. Waddle on over to your favorite bookseller or swim downstream to my website, carnivalofgleecreations.com, for more information. Insert quacking up joke here. Ha <laughs>
here's the thing about Gauntlet. I get that it's pretty repetitive, but I actually, surprisingly, like this game. It's such a weird premise. You're running through the jungle holding three glasses of water, and the whole purpose of the game is to not spill your water. I mean, yeah, 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 you gotta put out the ceremonial flames or whatever, but you really only have two, three objectives, I guess. To not spill these three glasses of water, to give old men a drink, and to put out these flames. Of which the weirdest is the first two. I don't know. I get pitfall vibes. I get jungle hunt vibes. I get uh, river raid vibes, actually. And I just, I had fun playing it. I kept wanting to do better. I get what the uh, Honest Gamer review said, and it's all after it. But I had a surprisingly good time playing it, and I would go play it some more. I was a little put off by the orange ground. That was odd. But, you know, it's not a deal breaker. I would recommend this game. If you have thoughts about Gauntlet, let me know. It's story time on Atari Bytes. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled Undaunted Gauntlet. And this, Basil said over his shoulder to his assistant, quivering with pride, I searched for a month trying to find a middle finger of copper. Everyone said, copper? That's a soft metal. Why on earth would you want copper? Well, I'll tell you. I found a middle finger for them, all right. With a chuckle and a groan, the old man sat upon the wobbly stool, holding aloft two steel gloves, save for the copper middle fingers, polished to rival the sun. Gretchen smiled politely down over Basil. She towered over the shorter man. Gretchen had been here several weeks on a college internship and was used to these stories. Basil was from old America the one that dominated the world before the new times, the one from when Basil had more hair and owned a comb to tame the rest. She liked the old man. Old America was populated primarily with the social media influencers and soldiers in the nonspecific Andred army. The rest of North America was made up of various people wandering around with shopping carts full of probiotic energy drinks and home colonoscopy kits, holding aloft cell phones desperately in need of a charge so they could text their desire to make a connection to those who couldn't care less. Basil had been one of those. Now New America was the society that rose out of the not-so-much-ashes of Old America, more like Old America got bored with itself and wandered out of the room, and some folks who weren't quite ready to go home decided to try making a New America. It hadn't gone exactly as expected. People, it turns out, like to disagree about things too much. Gretchen had been Basil's assistant at the Gauntlet Retrieval Unit, GRU, ever since the job at the Cadaver Reassembly Facility stopped offering health insurance. The GRU was a division of the Society Reconstruction Department. Gretchen liked the gig. There were somewhat fewer dead people in this job. Carrying around Gauntlet Retrieval Tongs was less of a burden than carrying around cadavers, and you didn't have to wear a gas mask. Plus, Gretchen liked the old man. He knew gauntlets and also taught her a lot of other stuff, like how the movie Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull wasn't as bad as people said. More relevant to the GRU, Basil explained to Gretchen how medieval gauntlets were gloves typically made of steel nets to protect the hands from cuts or other injuries when being punched with someone else's metal gauntlet. Elizabethan gauntlets, in contrast, were more fashionable. Normal gloves flared at the wrist and decorated with lace and embroidered designs. Also spangles, whatever the hell spangles were. Gretchen had tried wearing thick leather gauntlets just for funsies, not bad. The long boots were nice, too, 
but the big hat with a feather in it was a bit much. Basil could pull it off, though. But, Basil said, apparently continuing a thought he had started in his head, or perhaps a thought he had started out loud, but which Gretchen had tuned out. Basil cackled, but there is one gauntlet I haven't gotten. The one gauntlet that beats them all. I saw that superhero movie too, Gretchen said. I don't think the one gauntlet is actually real, you know. No, no, Basil said. This is a legendary gauntlet forged in the fires of Florence and lost to the tides of time. Does it have a super powerful ring on its finger? Gretchen said. I saw those movies too. Basil cocked his head. Don't you read any books? But no, I'm not talking about that either. This gauntlet is constructed of the finest steel, strong but flexible, protective but stylish. The armies that keep New America safe from the invading hordes of pugilistic parakeets have marched into battle and back out again, arms held high in triumph, still able to make a thumbs up because of this gauntlet. New America was forged in the ashes of Old America, a 200-year experiment that, well, played itself out. It was trying to do better the second time around, but for every well-funded school, solar-powered hospital, and mercenary happiness enforcer, there is the cat video party, majority in Congress, the prescription medical blockers, and the lab created chilled arsenic rain showers. It seemed the fight wasn't over. So you never found the gauntlet? Gretchen asked. You're like the gauntlet guy. This is the gauntlet retrieval unit. It's what you do. A sly look wove its way through the various lines on Basil's face, landing with a confident sneer on Basil's lips. I didn't say I never found it, Basil corrected. It took years of research and more than a few cans of Pringles brand potato crisps from the tomb of Crunch, but I know exactly where it is. Basil adjusted the copper middle-fingered gauntlet's feathered hat on his head. And we, my dear, are going to go get it. Now, high on a hill overlooking what used to be a popular ski resort sat the Palace of Mediocracy. Some say Old America failed because while different factions were screaming at each other and chipping away at society, the ordinary folks, the mediocre citizens like you and me, went about living their lives, doing nothing to rock the boat, but also doing nothing to plug the leaks in the boat. So now, in New America, the mediocre citizens had retreated to this palace. They pledged to fight for their right to not fight for anything. You know, once their binge of this one show is over. Basil and Gretchen approached the base of the hill. A winding, icy path led up to the palace. Care for a bit of downhill skiing in reverse? Basil said, laughing. He was really enjoying this. Gretchen was a bit more tense. You didn't tell me we were coming here. What's going to happen up there? Basil considered. Then he shrugged. Liberation, I think. This gauntlet is too powerful. It needs to be in or on safe hands. Onward. Basil and Gretchen marched slowly up the hill. Gretchen led the way, able to drive the ice axe into the hillside easier than the old man. The hillside was placid. Ice crystals on the trees glistened. It was a postcard scene, or perhaps a cell phone lock screen. At the top of the hill, though, the scene was a bit different. On either side of the entrance to the former resort palace, the self-described mediocres lined up two dozen on either side, and they weren't holding hot chocolate. Um, Basil, Gretchen said, they're all holding something. Like, do they have weapons? What do we do? Basil stood to his full height. Not much, but he wore it well. We run the gauntlet, my friend. Run the gauntlet to get the gauntlet. After me. In a blur, Basil powered through the gauntlet, the old man throwing elbows left and right, leveling the mediocres one after another. Gretchen, schooled at the Michelle Yeoh School for Advanced Peaceful Being and also butt-kicking, hoisted the mostly shorter mediocres and flipped them over her considerable shoulders. 
The mediocres, it turned out, weren't holding weapons. They were holding cell phones, to which they were posting outraged memes, at least until they were rendered unconscious. Basil surveyed the scene he hath wrought. He nodded to himself, satisfied. Now then, shall we? He said to his assistant. Gretchen, mouth agape, followed her employer inside. Basil was thrilled the gauntlet he saw was easily located in a shoebox in the front hall closet of an otherwise pretty sparse building, as palaces go. The box was marked gauntlet. Leave it to a mediocre. He muttered and eagerly knocked the lid from the box. Inside was not a steel glove, but rather a VHS tape of the 1977 Clint Eastwood film, The Gauntlet. Oh, Basil groaned. Damn it. He once again raised his arms aloft, in defeat this time. The stumps, where hands used to be, seemed to reach for the sky, reaching for a future, perhaps, that really wasn't there. Gretchen worried what this meant. Was New America as much of a lie as Old America? Behind her, the mediocres were waking up, and they were angry? Here we go again. New, New America, anybody? Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Competech.com for Creative Commons use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. Run the gauntlet of content provider review pages to leave a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. If you forget how many stars to give the show, just remember the five fingers on a steel gauntlet. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And check us out on Instagram. I'm also now on Hive, Mastodon, and Tumblr as at Carnival of Glee, and I'm really looking for followers, so please go over there and follow me. You can call us, too. Leave a voicemail. 563-265-1978. Why a voicemail? Because I'm never, ever going to answer the phone. It's nothing personal. I just don't want to talk to you. It's really that simple. 563-265-1978. We haven't gotten a voicemail for a while, so uh, I would love to have uh, love to have one. So uh, help me out. Check out the website, carnivalofgleecreations.com. For information and links for this show, for my other show, it's Podcast Charlie Brown, and for books that I've written and other stuff that I'm working on. All over there in one place, anything you want to know. Consider supporting the show over on Patreon.com where there's an Atari Bytes page. You can join an exclusive club of patrons who have my gratitude already and earn my gratitude as well. Michael Tyler, Jose Gazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Jeremy L., Mark Super, Jim Goble, and Robert Ferguson, who are all fine folks, and uh, I am deeply indebted. All right, that's about it, except I have to tell you, next time on Atari Bytes. A couple weeks ago, a couple shows ago, we played Time Warp from Zellers, who was the discount department store that decided, for some reason, to get into making Atari games, and one of them they made was Time Warp, which we've already done, and the other one was Inca Gold for the 2600, and I decided to check it out. So we're going to do that on the next episode. Know nothing about it, except that it's one of two original games that Zellers did, and we're going to see if it's any better game than Time Warp was. I'm excited to find out. If you have thoughts about Inca Gold or anything, 
get a hold of me in one of the ways that I just told you about. And also, until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.